mission of the Fellowship of Christian Peace Officers is to create a Christian mindset in peace officers using biblical truths to transform their lives, their families, and then their communities. If, if we get the officer on track biblically, that's a whole lot easier to deal with when he gets home. In fact, he's had a whole lot easier day. So he or she's not relying on their self to deal with all the problems. They're relying on, on the Holy Spirit to be with them. Yes. Hi, and welcome to One Little Candle, a place where genuine believers are encouraged, empowered, and inspired to be the light that God calls us to be by contending for the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his people so that we may pass down undefiled the truth of God's infallible word to the next generation. And in case you're thinking that you can't make a difference in your own little corner of the world, Yes, you can, because all it takes is one little candle. I'm your host, Rebecca Bershwinger. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Hey, everyone. I have a very special episode in store today. Actually, it's part one of a two-part episode on the Thin Blue Line. And my guest for these two episodes is a man by the name of Paul Lee. Paul is currently the executive director of a wonderful organization known as the Fellowship of Christian Peace Officers. And the focus of this organization is to reach, disciple, and spiritually equip law enforcement officers nationwide for Christ. Paul himself is a retired Chattanooga Police Department captain, and he's got 29 years of law enforcement service under his belt. He's worked on several specialized units, including federal task forces. He spent five years as a hostage negotiator and five years on the SWAT team. Paul himself has been a member of FCPO since 1995. And again, as I said, he is now the current executive director And Paul and his wife have five adult children and four grandchildren. I really think you're going to love hearing what Paul has to say as much as I did, because Paul not only has a heart for law enforcement and for this organization, but Paul also has a very big heart for God. So without further ado, as the saying goes, here is my interview with Mr. Paul Lee. Hi, Paul. Welcome to One Little Candle. Well, thank you, Rebecca. I I really appreciate the invitation. I'm so glad you're willing to take your time and share with us about this all-important ministry that in our pre-interview conversation we had, I loved all the things that you shared with me, not just even about the ministry, but about um, the police officer and the line of duty itself. So I'm really looking forward to getting into that today and letting our listeners know about this ministry. And I did just tell them a little bit about it before you came on. But if you could just just give a brief synopsis of what the Fellowship of Christian Peace Officers is and how that began. Okay. Well, we are a national 501c3 charity ministry to law enforcement. We minister to the spiritual and emotional needs of, of law enforcement around the country. And when I say law enforcement, I mean police officers, sheriff's deputies, state troopers, all correctional officers, all federal officers and agents, uh, homeland security, anyone involved in law enforcement, that's who we minister to. 
and we actually set up chapters around the nation where these men and women can meet together in a safe environment, study God's Word. And how did this begin? What was the brainchild here? Well, it, it's, a, it's a great history because we have been around for 47 years now. And it's, it started long before that, uh, back in Los Angeles, California, in the 60s. And there was two LAPD officers that uh, were both believers, and they thought they were the only law enforcement or only Christians in, in the LAPD. There was no signs of life anywhere for Christianity. And, and it's great how these two guys came together because one of them was Carl Traber, and Carl was born in Germany. His mother was an American. His father was a German who actually fought for the Germans in World War II. And Carl and his mother were liberated out of a bomb shelter by the Americans. And later in life, Carl finds himself working at uh, his mother's family's restaurant in Los Angeles. And he's, he's struggling. He's trying to learn the language and everything. And you, you have to know Carl. Carl's still a poster child for the LAPD, and he's in his late 80s. Mm. And uh, Carl's idea of learning English quickly was to join the military, so he joined the Army. <laughs> and, and he had to learn English there. But <laughs> while he was in the Army, he found himself at the Navigator's Castle in Colorado Springs. And that's a, a, a discipleship ministry that's geared towards the military. Mm. And Carl got saved. He got soundly saved, and when he got out of the military and, and came back home, uh, his family wanted him to be the maitre d' of this restaurant, and which meant he needed to kind of encourage people to drink a lot of alcohol because that's where the money was. And he said with his newfound faith, he, he just couldn't do it. He said, I, I can't do it. Mm. He said, I, I just don't feel right doing it. And he was wondering what he was going to do, and he was walking down the sidewalk of L.A., and he looked up and he saw a billboard that said, do you want to make $500 a month join the LAPD? And Carl told me this face-to-face -face at his kitchen table in California. He said, I thought, wow, I could have my own ministry. And people are going to call me to come minister to them. And he said, and they're going to pay me. <laughs> And, and, of course, then he sat up real straight, and he tugged on the bottom of his shirt, and he said, besides, I'm a German. We like uniforms. So he joined <laughs> the LAPD. But he's the only, the only uh, law enforcement officer I have ever talked to that said they went into law enforcement with a ministry in mind, that it was going to be a ministry. Now, the other mm -hmm. founder was Ralph Evans. Ralph uh, was raised in Hawaii. And one Sunday afternoon, he and his brothers and sisters were running and screaming through the house. They were going to go visit their grandmother. The phone was ringing. It was just, you know, a chaos household. And his dad answered the phone, and then he got all of the family on the front porch and said, look, and the Japanese were bombing Pearl Harbor. Hmm. Years later, after he was grown, he's walking down the sidewalks of L.A. wondering what he was going to do, and he looked up and saw a billboard, said he will make $500 a month, join the LAPD. Now, Ralph was a Christian also, so he joins the LAPD. Now, these two guys thought they were the only Christians. They didn't know any other Christians in the LAPD, and they didn't know each other. And they inadvertently attend the same Bible conference in Los Angeles and bump into each other. Hmm. Imagine that. Mm -hmm. 
and 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 they recognize each other and, and realize they're both LAPD and they're both Christians. And I tell people that at that particular time in LAPD history, the Christian population doubled from one to two. There's two of them now, <laughs> and they were they they were excited and they were looking around. And as they got to looking around, they started pointing at other guys, going, "Wait a minute, he's LAPD, and that guy's LAPD, and that guy's LAPD." So they pulled these guys together, and, and they were all excited. And then reality kind of set in, and they just stopped and went, well, now that we're not alone, what are we going to do? Mm. So they decided to start meeting once a week at the LAPD Training Academy where they prayed and read Scripture. And that's where this ministry started over 47 years ago. Wow. And it's still going today. Yeah. Yeah, that's no bumping into each other. That's what you call a divine appointment, right? That's, that's exactly what it's called, and there's no way around it. Yeah, that was sovereignly arranged, <laughs> no doubt in my mind. <laughs> Absolutely. And and I have the pleasure of staying in touch with all of these, these, these older guys that started this ministry that are still alive. Mm-hmm. And and they, they never saw this coming. <laughs> they were just obedient. And, and, you know, it excites, it excites me to, to talk to them and hear the excitement in their voice, mm-hmm. you know, about what's going on and how happy they are. Mm-hmm. So one thing that really jumped out at me was you saying how they responded to that ad, but they went in there with the mindset in their hearts having it be a ministry yeah. to others. So imagine yeah. if, and this to me is one of the big things, the major things that FCPO aims to do, right, is to encourage police officers to look at their job as a ministry. Absolutely. Because that probably makes all of, the difference in the world, I would think. Oh, oh well, just think about it for just a second. Name me another profession in the world where you can pick up the phone, and dial 911 and have someone dispatched to minister to you at the worst time of your life mm. other than law enforcement. Right. If, if we're looking at it as a ministry, mm-hmm. you know, there are times of fights and car chases and, and the occasional shootout, but that's not the norm. Right. That's the abnormal. That's the rarity. Even though the media plays the same thing over and over and over again, you think it happens all the time. Of course. No, yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. What happens all the time, for the most part, is that police officers and sheriff's deputies and law enforcement, we go to people that are lost and they're hurting and they're miserable and something terrible has happened in their life. Yeah, or they're scared. I can attest to that. I had had major surgery last summer and a couple days after I was home I started showing some symptoms of possibly a stroke so my doctor said yeah you better call the ambulance call 911 well the police were there before the ambulance was and they were there distracting me you know trying to just keep (laughs) me calm keep my husband calm and thank god they were just their presence there alone and how they handled it was very compassionate and I'm very grateful for that. Well, most of the time, we don't ever see that. We only see something terrible that's happened, and we don't see the whole thing. We just see a snippet, mm-hmm. you know, and it's played over and over again. And, you know, while some things are bad, other things aren't, but they're all designed to look bad. Yes, and, uh, yes. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of frustrating, but that is the nature of the beast. It's not like it's new. 
I mean, it's always happened. It has, but with media, the problem is because media is so more widespread, so much more accessible, it's in your face everywhere you turn. Um, And as you said, the snippets. You know, you can make anything look how you want through clips and sound bites. that's it. Yeah, that's that's very sad. And, of course, we're not saying that the profession of law enforcement isn't without its internal problems. We're talking broken human beings yeah. who are in that role. So, of course, there are problems. But this is the reason for things like the Fellowship of Christian Peace Officers. That's right. When we watch TV and we watch all the police shows, mm-hmm. you know, which are all fantasy, <laughs> they're, they're fantasy because they don't do reports or anything. You know, they get in a shootout every week, and then they go have drinks afterwards, and it's it's no big deal. So we we get desensitized to real police officers. Okay, we that makes sense. We forget that there's a human being and a soul behind that badge or that shield or that star. Yes, and, and, a, and a father and a son and a brother and a, yeah. a husband or a wife. Yes, absolutely. That, that's it. We just forget Mm-hmm. And we think, well, they've got it all together. Well, not really. <laughs> They're just human beings. And they're human beings that see more tragedy and mayhem in a week than most people would ever see in a lifetime. Sure. And especially experience firsthand. And this is their lives. This is, you know, they do this every day. Yeah. And uh, and we just forget sometimes. Yeah. We think, well, they've got it all together. And no. No, they're humans. Can you share with us what some of the biggest struggles are that you see for oh, men and sure. women in that profession? They're, they're the same as, as Ralph and Carl saw in the beginning. You know, we have a, a huge uh, nationwide divorce rate of about 75%. We've got a 40% domestic abuse rate nationally. Now, that doesn't mean that these men and women are going home and beating their spouses. But you've got to remember, they've spent the entire day, their entire time at work, trying to solve other people's problems. Mm -hmm. But when they go home, they have their own problems. Mm -hmm. You know, as they walk through the door, you know, I'm tired of the kids. You're going to, it's your turn. You didn't take the trash out. The yard needs to be mowed. You know, it's the normal thing that everybody else goes through. But for those in law enforcement, that's just one more problem. Yeah, they probably yeah. walk through the door already emotionally and mentally taxed. And the next thing that comes out of their mouth is something terrible. Mm. And, you know, if if we work our mission, and, and our the mission of the Fellowship of Christian Peace Officers is to create a Christian mindset in peace officers using biblical truths to transform their lives their families, and then their communities. If, if we get the officer on track biblically, that's a whole lot easier to deal with when he gets home. In fact, he's had a whole lot easier day. So he or she's not relying on their self to deal with all the problems. They're relying on, on the Holy Spirit to be with them. Yes. And to help them through all of this. Yes. Because they understand that if they try to do this job in their own strength, mm-hmm. it will drive them crazy. They don't have it. We know God does. God is strong. God does not tire. He's our rock, our refuge, our fortress. That's right. And if they can have that mentality and that heart set, that mindset on the job, 
that's got to be a huge difference for both the police officer, their family, and the, the citizen, the people that they're responding to, to help. Oh, that's right. You know, our substance abuse rate is about 25%. I believe that's really low. I believe it's a lot higher hmm. than that. And then up until COVID, our line-of-duty death rate, our suicide rate outdid our line-of-duty death rate every year. Wow. We killed ourselves at a far greater rate than we died on the job. And that includes car wrecks, heart attacks. You know, it's not just bad guys. Mm. You know, our suicide rate way overwhelmed the bad guys killing us. And But COVID has, has kind of changed that. In, you know? in what respect? And, and this mass exodus from law enforcement, I believe, has, oh, okay. has changed that also. Okay. Why are they leaving since COVID? Is it just the fear of the virus? Oh, no, it's it's the total abandonment, they feel, that has come from society. It feels as though they have been. The yeah, profession that needs the most support is having it yanked away. <laughs> They're trying to yank right. it away. Right. There's, there's no place for them to turn. You know, they can't depend on their administrations. The administrations are crumbling and, and caving into pressure and wrongful pressure. Uh, the politicians have caved. The news media is, is like sharks in the water. You know, they've seen some blood, so now they're they're really going after everything. They, mm-hmm. they can't do anything right, no matter what. Yeah. It is hyper-criticized to the point that there was a, a, an incident where, and it made the rounds on social media, where a young girl was stabbing other girls. Mm. And the police officer had to shoot her before she stabbed another girl that she was going after and the police officer was attacked not for saving the lives of those girls but he should have done this or he should have done that he should have he should have he should have this is the only profession law enforcement is the only profession also in the world where everybody outside of the profession that has absolutely nothing to do with the profession that doesn't want to have anything to do with the profession, comes together and tells the profession how it's supposed to operate. Yeah, that's just disgusting. I mean, that, in, who in tells doctors what to do? <laughs> it's certainly not me. Yeah, stand over the operating table and tell the surgeon right. what to do. I remember that story with the stabbing, and I thought, wow, I'm not hearing any thank you that he saved this woman's life. He did the right thing. I'm sorry. This girl yeah. was, was doing something she shouldn't have, and if you're going to be breaking the law, you can expect that you might be hurt or killed. That's just how it goes. I think the public also realizes on a lot of these, and the true public is just not heard. If we look at most of these incidents, and I'm not taking up for every cop, and you know, and I, mm-hmm. and I want your audience to know this. At one time, there's not now, but there was over 800,000 law enforcement officers in this country. With 800,000 there's going to be bad eggs. There's yes. going to be things that go wrong. There's going to be people that do things intentionally wrong. There just has to be. I mean, the law of averages is there. But at the same time, when you take something that a man or woman has done and you play this little snippet, we have to remember the police officer just didn't pull up and go, well, I'm going to do this. No, he was called. If we really look at it, there is a reason for that law enforcement officer to be there. Whoever they're dealing with is not being compliant, and everybody just gets all bent out of shape about being compliant. Mm-hmm. You know, well, 
yeah, be compliant. Because if all of these people that were involved with these police officers that have been killed or maimed or feel like they've been done an injustice had just been compliant, they would have been alive to sue the police officer and the department and everybody else. Yes. If they were wrong, they could have got paid. Mm-hmm. But instead, they're dead now. Yep. My son made a thin blue line T-shirt, mm-hmm. and on the back uh-huh. of it, it says, comply, don't die. That's, well, that's, it. that's what he wanted to, he wrote on there. But doesn't anyone ever stop to think that perhaps these police officers, like the officer that had to shoot that girl, that when they have to take action such as that, that, that it's traumatic for them if they're is. a good cop. I mean, again, like you said, there's some bad cops. He didn't intend, as you said, to go and shoot somebody and kill them. But no. does anyone ever stop to think of the emotional toll that he probably questions himself? Was there something else I could have done? I'm sure they beat themselves up over this and it replays in their head as they try to go to sleep at night or whatever. Um, but no one is there thinking about what that officer may be going through having just had to take someone's life. No. It, it, it all goes back to, uh, you know, the TV cop. I'm sorry, those aren't real. They're just not real. <laughs> these are human beings. These are men and women, and the last thing they want to do is take someone's life. Exactly. And I don't know. I often think, too, I think I don't know how I would be under all that adrenaline that's coursing through your veins in a life-or-death situation whether it's my life or the life of somebody else's, like no one knows how they're going to react. Um, I feel like everyone should have to spend a day with a police officer in a high crime ridden area, you know, spend, spend the day with them and see what they go through. And, And for all the critics, there's plenty of job openings. Now you can be hired just about at any police department you want to be hired at. There you go. Right now. Yeah. You can go in there and start changing things from the inside. I mean, all of these know-it-alls that, that know better, okay, you yeah. know. And I'm not saying that there's not any need for any reform. There's always need for reform. Sure, sure. No matter where you are, no matter what your profession is. But my goodness, our reform has always come with the caveat, we have to get those out-of-control cops under control. Mm-hmm. They're not out of control. They don't make the laws. They enforce the laws that the politicians make who will turn on the police officers as soon as the officers enforce the laws they have created, and they don't like the way it looks. And I, I tell people all the time, when somebody doesn't want to go to jail, it's not pretty. It's just not pretty. You can't make it pretty. And, and I can take anyone. Anyone, I'll give them my old handcuffs and get somebody to film it. And there can be two or three of them. And I will just not let them put the cuffs on me. I'll not fight them. But I'll just not cooperate. But they've got to get those handcuffs on me because I'm under arrest and I'm going to jail. And at the end of the film, we'll see how good it looks for them because it'll look terrible. Yes. While they're wrestling with somebody. And, oh, it looks like it's just, oh, it's terrible. No. You're under arrest, you're going to jail. And no's not an option. It's not pretty. And, and as far as the use of force, you know, when people talk about the, the, the use of force, you know, why don't police officers do this? Why don't police officers do that? They could have done this, they could have done that. The longer an incident goes on while you're trying to get someone under control, the more dangerous it becomes. Mm-hmm. 
especially for the officer. And if an officer does lose his weapon, usually he dies, or she. In fact, it was a female officer in Chattanooga where I'm at that lost her weapon, and she's no longer with us. Mm. And she did absolutely nothing wrong. So, you know, if, if you want to talk about the use of force, try to imagine this. Between the two of us, me and you, we're standing face to face. We're going to put a wall between us, a movable wall. I can push it towards you, and you can push it towards me. Behind you is a 100-foot drop-off. Behind me is a 100-foot drop-off. To win this game, we have to push. One of us has to go over the edge. So can I win this game by using the same amount of force you use? Can I win if I'm pushing at the same force that you're pushing? No. Okay. It's, there's going to be a standstill at that point. Yeah. Can I win if I use less force than you? No. What do I need to do to win this game? Yeah, you have to overcome me. You have to use more force than I am. That's it. And the only thing that people want to do is, is take away the means to do that. Hmm. Yeah, be careful what you wish for. Um, I don't understand the mindset with that at all. It, it blows my mind to think that people would call for that. I don't get it. Well, that's that's what has happened. There's no logic to it, Paul. No. <laughs> along, along, well, that's the, the people outside of the profession making the rules mm-hmm. for the profession. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we have seen how defund the police has backfired on the politicians. And, of course, all of us in law enforcement went, that's not going to work. And so guys just started retiring, and they started quitting. And, uh, of course, when you have retirement at the at the proper time, that's good attrition. That's healthy for any business. That's healthy for any police department or sheriff's office. You know, it's just healthy attrition. But now we have guys getting their tenure in, and they're leaving at about year 11. So now we've got the guys retiring. We've got the guys leaving early, which is new. And then before they get their their tenure in, we have guys that are leaving. So we've got this huge vacuum. But I really, really believe in my heart that God has allowed this. And what's left is a remnant of law enforcement officers out there all across the country. And with everything that's happening to them that's that's awful, politically and, and everything else, they can't quit, and they don't know why. And the reason they can't quit is because God has placed them there for this time. And it's the responsibility of men and women like all of us in FCPO to take them the message of why they're there and why they can't quit. God's put them there for this time because they can do the job. Mm, it will always know. change. Law enforcement's always going to change. You know, when I when I came on the force forty something years ago, the guys that were leaving going, I don't know, I don't know how y'all are going to do this. Well, when I left, I was like, I don't know how these guys are going to do this, and I realized every generation has that group that leaves because I don't know how you're going to do this. Well, that's because. God placed us where he wanted us during the time he wanted us Mm -hmm. because we can do the job by the rules it's made. Mm -hmm. Every generation can, and God fixes it that way. Can you imagine 
if we had departments that were majority Christians? Let me let me explain what that would look like. Those statistics I give you, the 75% divorce rate, the 40% yeah. domestic violence, the, the suicide and the substance abuse, mm-hmm. that was me before I was saved. Mm. God brought me to my knees October 16, 1995. And I, I was at a broken stage in my life, and I told God, I give up, I surrender, I throw in the towel. That's all I knew to say. I knew he was after me. I knew I was under conviction. I knew this. I'd known it for years and fought him. And when I finally surrendered, he gave me an entirely new life. Immediately, things started changing. And God started bringing me first back to church. Then he started uh, using me in a Sunday school class. I mean, he just started using me. And I was invited to my very first Fellowship of Christian Peace Officers Bible study. And when I went, I sat down, and there was a little old man that sat across from me and and a bunch of cops. And I think my reputation had preceded me because when I walked in, everybody looked at me like, "Eh, he's in the wrong room. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. But I I sat down, and we had some small talk, and I could tell the, the, the little man, you know, he was leading the study. And he looked at me and he said, Paul, how'd you get here? And I thought, oh, man, I I don't really have a testimony. I just got saved. This started inside me, this this argument, you know, and and outside I kept my poker face. Inside I was a wreck. Mm. And finally I just made myself spit out my testimony. I mean, I just vomited it all over them. And when I got through, I was crying. All these tough old cops, they were crying. They were <laughs> hugging on me. And I realized I had this new family that I didn't even know existed. Mm. And the little old man looked at his watch and said, well, that about does it. Huh? Time's up for today. I took the whole time. You know, and uh, <laughs> he comes up to me as, as we're leaving and, and everybody's hugging. And he puts his arm kind of through mine. You know, now this is the guy that just asked me that obnoxious question, how'd you get here? You know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was even like, you don't know me. Why are you asking me this? <laughs> and he told me, he said, Paul, I just wanted to know who brought you to the meeting. How did you get here? The correct answer was Alan. <laughs> but I gave him my testimony. I love it. And, and nothing has really been the same since. Mm-hmm. And from there... God took me, and he ended up putting me over the the local chapter where I was. Later, I was invited to serve on the national board of directors for this ministry. Then I served as president for the national board, and I I ended up here, sitting in the executive director's seat. Now, if you'd have told me 20-something years ago this was going to happen, I thought you'd be crazy. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. I have done law enforcement both ways, without Christ and my own strength that drove me to a point of just hating everyone and being angry all the time to a place where I allowed the Holy Spirit to work through me and I started viewing people through the eyes of Jesus. Mm, There's the difference. I want to ask your audience, which Paul would you rather answer a call for help from you? Old Paul 
or new Paul. There's a big difference. Amen. I'll take and the I new think Paul. Most people would want new Paul. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's what we're trying to promote. You know, we can operate biblically. There's no separation. God's placed us here, and He's given us all the tools in His Word and the wisdom to work with. And it will not hamper anything we do. In fact, it will give us great confidence in what we do. Yes, I think what you're saying, there's no secular and sacred, right? No. Separation there. This is, it's a secular job, but it's sacred at the same time. Well, it is. Mm-hmm. Who created government? God did. Government because he knew people would not operate correctly on their own. Mm-hmm. We can go back to the days of Noah and see that. Yes. They will not do it. So God has has created government, and he's placed us as the people to stop the evil in that. That's that's the thin blue line people talk about. It's not a code of silence. And if you're a Christian standing in that thin blue line, then you get there every single day, and you literally stand between chaos and civility. And as a Christian, we understand that all this chaos, all this evil comes from Satan. Yes. It comes from the devil, the prince mm-hmm. of this world. And they stand in that line and they absorb like a sponge everything Satan can throw at them every single day, <laughs> trying to keep it from seeping over into your world. Because your job is really not to care about law enforcement. You're not supposed to be worrying about us and what's around the next corner and what danger we're looking at. You're supposed to go live your life. And we're supposed to worry about obeying the laws, right? Well, that's the best thing to do. That's the best thing to do. (laughs) Yes, uh, definitely a spiritual battle. Um, There's no doubt. But law enforcement, they are God's agents. Yes. They're there serving God. He's placed these officers in these positions of authority and power um, and responsibility. So when the officer can operate in that mode, in that line, it benefits society all the way around, everyone. 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 And the attacks that we see that are happening right now, they're nothing more than spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. It's just the prince of this world doing what he does. That's what he does. Right? I mean, there's a rebellion on authority. God is the ultimate authority. Man and Satan are rebelling against that authority. But the police officer is also a human representation of authority. And so, consequently, they are rebelling against that. That's right. Any kind of authority. Good is called evil. Evil is called good. And it's getting worse by the day. Uh, In California, they actually tried to get a bill passed that would keep Christians and conservatives from being police officers. Mm -hmm. So I guess you won't lose people that have no morals or or convictions or anything else. And the foolishness of that thinking, because it it hurts them just as much as it does anybody else. But to me, that goes along with the depraved mindset. Like, we have been um i think turned over to a depraved mindset and what that depraved mindset is is not someone running around foaming at the mouth but biblically depraved thinking is foolish thinking um thinking that's not based in logic or reasoning or reality it's useless thinking and this is what we're seeing yeah and wasted thinking 
Yes. You know, when, when I get groups of Christian cops together, I, I try to explain to them and get across to them, you know, with everything that's going on in the world today, especially in our country, we have to remember as believers there is only one race, and that's the human race. Mm-hmm. And God has created every human being on the face of this planet. Mm-hmm. Genesis one twenty seven says that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, both male and female. Amen. He created them. There's not a human being on this planet that God did not stitch together in their mother's womb and put mm-hmm. his mark on. Knowingly, intentionally. I mean, that's it. Yes. One race. And yes. there are only two kinds of people in this world to a believer. There's lost people, and they're saved. And we are so very foolish if we're saved, expecting lost people to act like they're saved. Mm. Yeah. They can't. They, they right. can't. That's right. And if we expect anything else, we're just setting ourselves up to be frustrated mm-hmm. and angry and irritated. No, that's not what they need to hear, and that's not what they need to see from any of us, including a man or woman in uniform. Yeah. So well said, Paul. So well put. And that does it for part one of today's episode. I invite you to come back next week and join me for part two of my interview with Paul Lee, Executive Director of Fellowship of Christian Peace Officers. There's so much more Paul has to share, and I know you're going to enjoy listening to him just as much as I did. So be that one little candle this week by lifting up all law enforcement officials in prayer. Lift up them, lift up their families. They need us. They need our prayers. They need our support. And pray for groups like the Fellowship of Christian Peace Officers. Pray that God will send them the finances they need, the resources, the people dedicated to reaching out to those in the law enforcement that are in need of Christ because it benefits us all, not just the police officers. It benefits society as a whole. And it may have a direct impact on you or someone you love. So until next week, you take care and God bless.